0: Hello everybody and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury, thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is TeacherCast podcast episode number 229 and on today's show we are talking all about makers, maker movement, and more importantly, a brand new book coming out from Isti publications called The Maker Playbook. And my guest today is the author of that book. We're going to have a great conversation all about how you guys can bring maker activities into your classroom. But before we get to all of that stuff, I hope you guys are having a great school year so far. I certainly am. been working really, really hard in our elementary schools, having a chance to work with our middle and high school principals and doing some great things with my digital learning coaches. And speaking about digital learning, guys, don't forget we have our Ask the Tech Coach podcast each and every Monday Would love you guys to happen to check everything out over at askthetechcoach.com. Like, subscribe, follow. And if you are an instructional coach, we would love to have you join our free membership site. Our TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network now has over 350 instructional coaches in there, all working together to help each other out and to help each other build their program. So check everything out today over at askthetechcoach.com. Today, we are talking to the author of the brand new book from SD called The Maker Playbook. She is an amazing educator and technologist from the great state of Wisconsin. I want to bring on today my good friend, Miss Carolyn Habig. Carolyn, how are you today? Welcome to the Teacher Cast podcast.
1: Doing great. It's been a wild year and it's only just getting started, but all in great ways.
0: Oh my goodness. I have been having such a great year so far working in elementary school, but you know what? I am having a problem bringing this whole concept of maker making into my school. The other day I was walking in the hallway and I saw one of our teachers with cups and strings. And I said, that is awesome. And I started thinking to myself, how do I get other teachers to be that daring, dangerous and inventing? You've got a nice little book out right now with our friends from ISTE. Talk to us a little bit about what you're doing these days and talk to us a little bit about the maker playbook.
1: Absolutely. So first and foremost, I'm a big believer that we as people, we as professionals, um, there, there's so many things that we're engaged in in our lives. And unfortunately, if you're like me, there's like never enough hours in the day to get everything in that you want to get in, personal, professional, all the above. And as I think about maker learning and as I think about design thinking, I I always want to help people to, I always say like think big but start small right and think about those learning intentions thinking about your curriculum those pieces that we know are non-negotiables those aren't fighting innovation those are actually an invitation and i think they're an invitation to problem solving and we know that you know the the more work we can do to engage students in creative problem solving, making connections to their real lives and the wonderments they have, the the deeper their learning will go. And I really believe it's about how do we work with educators to find those moments within their standards and within their curriculum?
0: I think it's important that we start the show by saying the maker concept, I hear the words maker movement, but you know, we can dive into that, but this really can be for any subject. I mean, I've done maker activities as a music teacher. I did them as an orchestra teacher. I've done them as a coach. Uh, we, we brought them into kindergarten. We brought them into biology. Maker really is for everybody.
1: I I could not agree more. Actually, one of the biggest things, um, that motivated me in my work and that, um, to also writing this book is that maker learning doesn't just fit in, say, one type of course or with one type of grade level. It offers wow. a variety of uh, m- modalities and strategies to engage all learners in inventive problem solving. And then later, if you want, bringing in some of that computational thinking, although you, yeah, I know that can be a scary word for some people, um, that, yeah, there's so many fits. And, and like, like I said, it's really about thinking big, but starting small and saying, where in my curriculum uh, can students engage, problem solve and ask questions? And I believe all content areas in grade levels have those opportunities.
0: It's funny how you describe it that way, because when you say things like problem solve and ask questions, I'm going down to the other day when I'm walking into that kindergarten room and they're playing with Lego. They're playing with dinosaurs. Now, on one hand, kindergartners play time. Mm -hmm. If the kindergarten teacher just said, (laughs) what is the dinosaur doing? How is the dinosaur moving? That's asking questions and forming a hypothesis and all of that great stuff. I really, truly believe every teacher already has a makerspace in their room. They just need to unlock their own potential for it. Am I right? I would
1: agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think that's actually a really... Um, cool way to state that and say that because I, I do believe a lot of people, and, and that's the thing, it's like I also run into other people who are like, well, I'm already doing project-based learning or I'm already doing these things. And sometimes it's about just taking that next step and looking at what maybe are their specific skills, whether you're looking at like ISTE, uh, student standards for innovative designer or mm-hmm. computational thinker. Now those standards I think really provide you know, that edge that kind of helps us take the work that we're already doing and and take it a little further to prepare learners for their journey, whether it's within education, career, or life.
0: One of the things I've been finding is the possibilities. It really is endless possibilities for this. I mean, just going back to what we were talking about, a a maker could be Kindergarten kids with Lego and dinosaurs. When I was teaching in a middle school, a broadcasting course, and we had, you know, video cameras, I was looking at that as I'm building a makerspace. And when I go out to do my professional development stuff and I bring my teacher cast studio and I've got all the cameras, and I look at that also as a makerspace. I think too many people put their blinders on and say, Maker means marshmallows and spaghetti marsh you know maker <laughs> means uh, 3d printers and gizmos and that is. There's so many different ways of looking at this.
1: Well, well, yes. One, there's so many different ways of looking at it. And I think it's important that we push the conversation to, to look at those different tools and modalities for prototyping and making. Because if you think about it, a lot of times it's those digital tools that also increase opportunities for accessibility. And when we look at how do we really create inclusive learning experiences across the the board and look at the diverse needs and learner variability, I think the more we can broaden our view of ways uh, learners can engage in prototyping and making, I think the better off um, we'll all be. And I think there's great opportunity. And sometimes when we forget to look at those things through this maker design thinking lens, we're actually cutting out a variety of opportunities that are they're really important.
0: On your book which is again called the maker playbook. And, and by the way, all of this stuff that we're talking about today is going to be over at teachercast.net forward slash maker playbook. And if you like this episode, if you want to learn more, I've got great news for you. This is just the first time that Caroline's going to be on. We're going to be really tearing this book apart and doing multi-series. <laughs> we're going to do it also on our tech coaching channel. So stay tuned teachercast.net slash maker playbook that's actually going to go to like a category page where we're just going to list everything out there but i want to read a, a, a section here of her book and i want her to comment on this i want you to comment on this this book is also for educators who believe that all students can learn and for educators who take pride in developing the scaffolding to help all learners reach levels of higher order thinking and engagement who's this book for
1: this book is for people who are working directly with students. And it's also for people working, whether you're working in a building level system or district level system, to think of how do you create that inclusive maker learning culture, yeah. at no matter what level you are working with. And I think it's the book intentionally, I wanted to think through what are those different pieces, because obviously our, our classrooms and our our educators play a very powerful role in working directly with, with learners in order to engage them in this type of learning and thinking, but also having a school system or a school district that understands what are our shared commitments and looking at inclusive learning and innovation, I think is is important as well. So in this book, I tried to think about you know, how can you build something up um, from nothing because that was actually one of the tasks that that I was given when I was um, hired uh, for one of the school districts I, I work with and the superintendent first said Carolyn I want you to put maker spaces in in every building and by the way this was also when it was like we're rolling out iPads and Chromebooks one to one and and what's now Google workspace <laughs> like all in the same year and I was like okay I love it. But can we first define what maker learning is? And this was several years ago. So there's way more out now than there even was then. Mm -hmm. And it really wanted us meaning working with our our school leadership, our district leadership, and teachers and teacher champions to really take an invested approach to define what does inclusive maker learning look like? And where does it fit within our system? Because if, if there's one thing I know, people do not need just one more thing, or one more thing that they could do. But how could this fit within not only the work that we're doing but to take it further
0: you know it's going back to what you just said if, if i go back to when when i was growing up and this was in the <clears throat> 80s or so the idea that does your school have a computer lab and of course that turned into everybody has a computer in their classroom now you know here but We've gone through the last 15 years, I would say, at least 10 years for me doing this as teacher, Casper. Does your school have a makerspace? Now makerspaces are common, and now it seems like the concept of going to the makerspace is thankfully shifting into, in your own classroom, what's it going to look like? Mm -hmm. It's still a scary thing. Your book is put together in a very unique way. Talk to us a little bit about what we can expect when we see it, get our hands on it, and most importantly, talk to us a little bit about... All of the supplements because your book is QR code friendly. It's got extra stuff. Um, it's got audio, video. It's got a ton of stuff on here. Talk to us a little bit about what somebody's going to be able to do and interact with.
1: So, whether you are working with um, leading teachers or whether you're working directly with students, I wanted to work very hard to take those strategies that we're discussing and sharing in the book and then also have them with accompanying templates that you can modify and you can make your own. Because I know all of us have the, as we talk about design and we talk about constraints, all of us in our in our professional lives face those as well. And I wanted to people to be able to focus on the implementation and thinking through how can this work within my system, whether it's a school system, whether it's your, your classroom system. And I, I really wanted to have all of our how-to strategies be connected with resources that you could either do, you're grab and go, right? Like I purposely put things on a Google site, used a lot of Google Docs, Google Slides. Um, I create a lot of content in Canva so then people could just take it and and use it, or also take it, tweak it, and use it, because I know we all have, like, unique needs, um, whether it's our students, our organizations, our our rooms, right, our maker spaces, our classrooms, and I, as I was working on this book, not only did I want it to be a how-to, but I wanted to provide the reader with the resources to personalize because I think that's where we also have our biggest impact as educators is the way that we take our our really powerful research-based strategies and then personalize them to meet the needs of our learners.
0: I'm looking through the, you know, there's a complimentary Google site here. I'm looking at one of the examples as a Google Doc table 1.2. You've got like a dozen or so YouTube videos to check out, but you've also got all the instruments available for what is it? How does it work? Why do you work? Why is it important that makerspace not just be playtime? You know, I asked the same question to to our friends at Lego education. It's not my kids are playing with toys. This is instructional stuff. Why is it important to be thinking makerspace and standards-based teaching?
1: I think because ultimately our standards are driving our work and we want learners to grow as what are often now defined as assessment capable learners. That's kind of a big, heavy, kind of crazy term. But what it really means is that learners know where they are, where they're going and what do they need to do or what can they do when either they're stuck or or need to revisit things to keep moving forward. And to me, as we think about maker learning and design through this idea of what it means to grow as an assessment capable learner or an expert learner, um, being resourceful, knowledgeable, purposeful, as we see in the the CAST um, UDL guidelines, universal design for learning guidelines. I really believe that starting with these standards provides us with those stepping stones for how we see our maker spaces. Cause a lot of times people say, and I remember when we first got going with this, well, well, it's just a bunch of, it's just a bunch of junk or it's just a bunch of random stuff. And it's like, okay, well, I think we need to define prototyping because in in helping people make those connections to industry like what does rapid prototyping look like um, in different industries, I think was also a very pivotal point for helping administrators as well as teachers start to understand it's not about the stuff, it's about what are we doing with the stuff and going back to kind of that idea of standards is it's helping us to think about what do students need to know and do and then how are we using our talents as educators to mindfully craft experiences that get learners to those levels of higher order thinking?
0: You know, I'm looking through all these short videos here to see if you have the one that I always think of as maker space, as this is what it is. And it's the segment from Apollo 13, where they're trying to figure out how to get the CO2 level and the yeah. O2. You know what I'm talking like. Yeah, yeah. They basically take I don't have it in there, but
1: I know what you're talking about. <laughs>
0: and they throw it on the table, and the guy literally says, we got to make a round peg fit into a scrawl hole, but using only these, and you see these doctors and MIT sign, like, okay, figure this thing out. And that's no different than saying, here's some spaghetti and some marshmallows, build a tower. These are skills that you might start teaching in kindergarten, but you're going to be using them throughout your entire year. Doesn't I, matter where you are.
1: And I think something to add on to that that's really important and that something I try to weave in at different at all different pieces through the book is how are we Engaging learners and reflecting on that process, right? So you're you're given this challenge. You're they're working through it, but then stepping out into those metacognitive uh, elements, stepping into more visible thinking strategies of seeing what are kids thinking about their own thinking and learning, and developing them as expert learners. I think is is a really ripe opportunity in the myths of helping them not only understand and engage in a challenge or face constraints. In um, developing their solutions, but then how do we also use that kind of parallel opportunity to get kids to think about how they're developing as a learner?
0: One of the things I think we've learned over the last 19, 18 months or so is how do we engage kids that are in front of us? How do we engage kids that are away from us? And, you know, I can remember, you know, March, April, when we first took off back in 2009, I think it was 20, whatever it was. And you're sitting a long time ago and I'm sitting there as a broadcasting teacher going, all right, I got things like we video. I've got iPhones. I got this. What can I do to engage these kids in digital learning? How do I get them to do that makerspace? I want to ask you about remote strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, we still have teachers that are teaching virtual. We still have teachers that are physical. We have these hybrid classrooms. Um, I, I think we know how to do it by now, although every day is new. What can you talk to us about maker, maker spaces, maker classrooms, and those kids that we can't see physically every day?
1: So a couple things. Um, one, one of the elements in the book is we we talk about what is the value of having, say, either a dedicated makerspace or resources. But I also go into what is the value of how how to do it um, in a digital environment as well. And I think thinking through how are we using a lot of our either. True um, learning management systems, whether it's like Canvas or many other tools, I don't. I <laughs> could go on forever listing tools, um, all the way to looking at more workflow solutions like Google Classroom and Seesaw. There are specific ways that we can organize student learning experiences um, using those tools, but then also bringing in, like you said, um, a lot of those um, tools that are web-based that we know students can uh, we can ensure that they have access to even if they don't have a lot of other materials whether they be physical or digital tools available to them when they're in a remote or virtual environment and using our learning management systems our online um, workflow solutions to kind of help scaffold a process for learners, I think is can be really huge, um, and then also like we kind of mentioned before, looking at what are ways we can bring in elements of say, say Scratch, Scratch Junior. Tinkercad, um, you know, the list goes on and on, all the way to even looking at a lot of our our video and even screencasting type apps that would allow learners to talk through their ideas or to say, literally sketch out a a concept of a prototype and then label it and talk about how it would work. Um, Bringing in those physical and digital elements, I think, is really important to think about. Another thing that as I was writing the book and thinking about the types of strategies and experiences and how you know, how we really don't have to be confined um, to same time, same place. Looking at um, one of my my favorite tools, such as dot storming, which allows learners to either, you know, vote and um, curate ideas and vote on them, I think can be really powerful. Uh, Finding uses for Jamboard, um, Jamboard, I think, has amazing uh, potential and possibilities, same with Padlet, and looking at ways for learners to always be able to contribute, but also maximize different modalities. So one of the things I love about Padlet is that at different phases of the design process or a challenge, whether you're doing a big design process or a small little just challenge that gets kids thinking uh, inventively. Um, I think that providing ways for students to kind of share out and document that thinking along the way is really important, not only for individuals, but to help learners think about how do we interact and engage um, synchronously as well as asynchronously. And I think there's a lot of tools that allow us um, to break down a lot of those barriers and also as a byproduct, really do make that student thinking more visible and audible than other opportunities that maybe we would have just done more traditionally
0: i you know when i'm listening to what you're saying and when i'm thinking about my experiences and even the other people in the past who have come on and and talked about making and stuff you talk a lot in the book about culture and mm-hmm. having a maker culture um Quick question, then a long question here. Does the maker culture start in the classroom or does the maker culture start in the main office with the principal?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. And honestly, I think the answer, um, so getting to kind of like your your long part um, is, but I'll make it short, is it, I think, put it this way. If you have a main office that is willing to do that work and dive in, that's amazing but i also know as being um an educator who as as one of my former principals um that i used to work with would say when you know caroline has an idea you gotta let her run with it and i think the more we can help teachers find that empowerment, find that connection, and run with things and develop those cultures within their classroom, that's gonna touch a lot of kids as well. So I think a lot of times it has to do with, you know, what are the constraints and what are the organizations you're working in, right? And I think in some school systems, you have leadership who is eager and interested in going down that path and connecting it to their other goals, projects, and initiatives that are in place. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. But if that's not where your school system is at, and you have this passion for um, innovation and student thinking and problem solving, I think there's a lot of these similar tools. And in chapter four, we look at what are ways you can start to build that culture in your classroom. So for example, one of the strategies um, in the book talks about ways to define maker learning. And then I talk about the importance of having like, teacher champions in your school system to define what maker learning looks like, you can do the same thing in your classroom, right? And think about how that's important. Also in your classroom, do it, we, in chapter four, we look at as chapter four and three, we look at, uh, creating shared work agreements, right? Like helping kids dive in and unpack what does it look like to collaborate? What does it look like uh, to provide feedback? What does it um, look like to brainstorm and create these, these processes and that culture of what do we believe, how do we act, um, I think is, is really powerful. And the book, I really wanted to aim how do you build that culture no matter where you are in your school system, Because I think it has value, no matter where you are in your school system, to take that cultural approach.
0: That actually dives. dives. That actually goes into my next question here, which is when you're talking about culture, it's where does it come from? And and I'll use the example that as a music teacher, um, my background is in violin and viola. So when I pick it up, I am a violinist teaching. If I pick up a cello. I am somebody playing the cello. If I do the makerspace analogy, we all have, we all can think of who are good makerspace teachers. Like I got a friend who's a good puppeteer. That's a makerspace. I got a video guy. He's a makerspace. Or I happen to be teaching science. There's a makerspace in there, but you know that that teacher might not fully embrace, fully get. How do you build a, a maker teacher, what, what, what are the qualities of a good, I know what I want to ask you. I just don't know the words right now.
1: I think I know where you're going, but
0: how, (laughs) you know, how do you not just go through the motions because somebody says, I want this. How do you actually get to be a maker teacher with all this stuff and, you know, really be a, a, a maker head.
1: I love when I work with teachers is to say, what are you currently working on? What, what do students need to know and do like what, tell me like, how, what are you, what do you already have going on? Cause I know like every teacher has like great things happening mm-hmm. in, in some way or another. Right. And um, I like hearing like, what's it already look like? Then I like to ask the question in a perfect world, you know, what would you like to see more of out of your students or what are things that you think they're they're doing okay, but, or, or maybe some kids are doing well and other kids are maybe struggling a little bit, you know, what do you, what do you see? Right. So diving into like getting that pulse on, you know, who are our learners? What are the things that they're facing um, in their learning? And a lot of times that then leads into a conversation about, hmm, I wonder if, or I thought of, you know, I, I was thinking about what you said, and and what if we looked at it this way, or asking a lot of questions, really, with educators. And I think the other thing is helping teachers come to that understanding that one, we honor their skills, we honor their content areas, and looking at, you know, I bet you one of the things that makes most Individuals passionate about their content area is or specific content areas that maybe they have a passion for if they're teaching multiple content areas is that there's there's some way that they can connect what kids are learning to the real world. Right. Yeah. And to ask questions see this work in action. And it then becomes about how do you create a challenge for learners to make those connections? So some examples. One, um, I was working with some more language teachers and they were saying, well, how are we going to do this? And and I said, well, let's, let's think about this. What are your students learning? What are they working on? And obviously the target language and developing those skills is like number one but then in part of their units they're also looking at um spanish-speaking cultures different geographical areas and some of the, the challenges that persist in different cultures and geographical areas mm-hmm. and we kind of came to this i this idea that it could actually become a challenge where you know we we know that people in certain spanish-speaking countries um don't have the greatest uh, awareness to the access of healthcare or resources that they have. And we thought, hey, this could be an interesting opportunity for students and learners to do some research and think about As they're thinking about their target language, how would you, without telling them what product to create, without telling them, you know, you're going to make XYZ to do XYZ, um, helping them think through how can we use the target language, what are different um, solutions that we could create to increase awareness within Spanish-speaking communities to learn more about healthcare resources? or um, I taught advanced placement psychology. And I was, and I like to force myself into thinking about like, how would I have done this? And, and I was thinking, okay, something that's really hard for people to understand are, are neurotransmission, like how a neuron fires like that. It's not something we see happening. We see the outcomes obviously of it, but like, what's going on in that process in the brain. And I had a thup- couple thoughts. Like if I were doing a maker learning experience, I would ask my students, you know, how would you explain a concept that is rather abstract to someone based on say what you know about from what we've learned about learning and cognition from what we've learned about neurotransmitters and different um Diseases and disorders. Um, for example, think of create a situation where, hey, what solution would you provide to say a, a nursing home or um, say a, a, a organization that deals with Parkinson's? Like, how can you help families better understand um, what's going on with that disease or within the brain? And a challenge could be is how can you then create simulations, how can you create models, um, how do you raise that awareness and build that understanding? And it it could be anywhere from a disorder to looking at how kids learn, right? Mm -hmm. And providing that kind of challenge that would require my students to think about what is it that, you know, our content is, but then how do we apply it? And when we look at that application of learning, that often opens the door to creating a maker challenge
0: if you're looking for more information about this as i mentioned earlier we are going to be having carolyn on the show several times including probably the next time we come on we're going to be doing it as an ask the tech coach episode certainly make sure that you guys head on over to ask the hit that subscribe button like and follow we would love to have you guys come on there carolyn you are awesome you just absolutely floored me when you said ap psychology uh, that's amazing um uh, i can do a whole show on that but for right now the book is called the maker playbook it is out there from isti and we want to say thank you to isti for putting everything together carolyn where can we learn more information where do we pick up the book all that good stuff um
1: it's, it's available order. at the ISTE bookstore. It's available for pre-order on Amazon. It's coming out uh ready to ship on September 28th. I just got my copies today. Um, so it's it's on its way and it's ready to go. And always also one thing I want to point out is if you like the more um interactive and engagement, we also have um, uh, a Facebook page. So, and the goal of that is to kind of keep the conversation going and have that more interactive, interactive component to the book as well. So, a lot of options.
0: It is a great book. I, I'm definitely going to be di- deep diving into it, both as a as a broadcaster, as as Carolyn and I do more shows, but definitely as a tech coach, getting more into the digital learning side of it, standards driven learning sides. I got to tell you, Carolyn, the thing that I love about the book the most is if you look at the top right, it says in big letters for school leaders. This is something that if you're going to be bringing in a culture, you can't just do it in your classroom. Uh, Maker costs money. Maker Mm -hmm. requires space. Maker requires community support. Um, I've had a lot of teachers say, I'd love to do this. But my my, you know, my, my principal wants to know the grading policy and the rubric. Like the, some of these things there needs to be, as you mentioned earlier, an understanding of all of that stuff. Luckily, we're going to have many, many shows to get together and talk about each of those subjects. So check out all those things over on teachercast.net slash maker playbook. Before we get into that, Carolyn, can you throw a couple of those social media links? What's your Twitter? What's your what's your things like that on here?
1: <laughs> uh, Twitter is just at Habig, So my last name h-a-e-b-i-g and um the the facebook page is something i can get you later. or group it's a group not a page sorry it's interactive
0: we will make sure we have all the links over there this is teacher cast podcast episode number 229 her name is carolyn habig my name is jeff bradbury and on behalf of everybody here at ISTE teacher cast and everybody here on the teacher cast educational network thank you guys so much for joining us today keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students